AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon and welcome to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island, the newest one-hour talk show and entertainment program on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And we are here with you every Wednesday, giving you a little behind-the-scenes tour of Waterfire and uh, letting you know what you can expect at the upcoming events. And I am here with my wonderful co-host and the creator of Waterfire, Barnaby Evans. Good afternoon, Roman. How are you doing today, Barnaby? I'm doing great. I know that people have been running around the office and, and working nonstop, getting ready, ready for uh, this weekend's fire. It's going to be pretty big, huh? Yeah, the weather's going to be beautiful. August 23rd, this Saturday, we're celebrating quite a few things. Yeah, and you know, I think it's, it's a wonderful way to kind of round out the summer because I don't know how summer's escaped us, but it just kind of flew by. So we're really looking forward to uh, some great uh, events that we'll be seeing, and one of the ones that so many people love and ask about every year is our Clear Currents event, um, in which we celebrate clear currents and you know and, and our nice clean water systems. So, uh, in that light, for people who don't know what that is, um, during Clear Currents we have anywhere between 88 to 100 kayakers and canoeists that actually are paddling through the fires, and mounted in those kayaks and canoes are these incredible. Six to eight foot, glowing, all colors, Japanese koi fish. Right, Barnaby? Absolutely. And it's probably one of the neatest things to just witness, all these fish out of water going through the fires. There's something funny about that, I think. Well, we just sort of think of them as schools of fish swimming through the river of fire. But the idea was we really wanted to draw attention to water quality on the Winoskatucket, recognize a couple partners we'll be talking to in a moment on the incredible progress that has been made over the last 30 years, really, but we're really seeing the results in the last 10 years. Exactly, and I think, you know what, Just I think we need to hop into this because we've got two guests here um, from great organizations, and that is their main mission, and uh, really wonderful to in, uh, introduce Tom Yuva, who's the Director of Planning, Policy, and Regulation for the Narragansett Bay Commission. Good afternoon, Rowan. Thank you for having me here today. And it was the Narragansett Bay Commission that actually uh, we started this whole program with yeah, many years our, back. It was... Um, well, let's introduce our other guests, and then we'll talk a little bit about the history. So we also have Alicia here from the Winoskatucket Watershed Greenway Council. Is that the Winoskatucket River Watershed Council. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi, Barnaby. <laughs> Welcome. Another, another group has been working for years to make the Winoskatucket River the success that it is, and we'll talk about some of your programs and some of those successes. But Bronwyn was talking about the NBC joining us, I think it was eight or nine years ago. Yeah, well, I think, you know, what we were celebrating that you had just finished that project. What, what was that project? That's right. We were christening the Phase 1 CSO Tunnel Project, which is essentially a 300-foot deep tunnel that's three miles long. It runs from the Fields Point Sewage Plant in Providence, on, right under those three big, beautiful turbines, and it heads up mm-hmm. under the State House and turns under the mall and, and terminates behind the Foundry Building. And every time it rains and sewage overflows and through combined sewer overflows, the tunnels capture that flow and send it to the treatment plant for, for treatment. And beyond the specifics, the general problem, which we see up and down the East Coast, is that the, these older cities combined many sewers together, and when you combine that with rainfall, it's just too much to be treated all at once at the sewage station. Exactly. That's exactly correct, Bonneby. 
you know, the sewage system in Providence is one of the oldest in the country, Providence, Pawtucket, and Central Falls. Uh, they realized in the late 1800s that horse manure was a bad thing to have on the streets, and our sewage actually went right into the urban rivers, the Wanaskatucket River and other rivers. And uh, in the early 1900s, people began, began getting sick from eating the oysters, and we had a great oyster, acreages of oysters in the right. upper Providence Very River. Famously so. Famous, yeah. famous 5,000 acres of leased oyster beds. And uh, people started to get sick, and they realized they had to build a treatment facility to treat that waste, and that was in the early 1900s. So it was one of the first treatment plants built in the nation. And this is what the Narragansett Bay Commission has inherited this. It wasn't called that then. but That's right. It was owned by the city of Providence, the Fields Point plant, and they were being fined by the EPA uh, to correct the environmental problems. And the Narragansett Bay Commission was formed through a bond referendum in uh, 1981, and the Bay Commission was formed. Uh, and we studied this uh, combined sewer overflows, and uh, we, we realized that it would be best to do in a three-phase approach. Phase one was completed in 2008. Phase two is ongoing right now, and it's creating a large interceptors along the Wanaskatucket and Seekonk rivers, and that's going to really clean up our urban rivers, and that will be done at the end of this year, and that will be going online soon. So we're going to see another big boost in water quality. So when you say phases, this is increasing your capacity to capture some of this combined CSO, is what we call it. Yes, CSO is basically a pipe that goes right into the river. Right. And when the sewage, sewage system itself is over capacity from rain, it overflows to the river. Right. Now, these, this and particular... Hen, and in, hence to the bay. And hence so, to the bay. Right. So these interceptor, uh, interceptors will capture those pipes and send that flow into the tunnel and uh, send it back to Fields Point for treatment, eventually, you know, uh, essentially cleaning up these urban rivers now. So where we've cleaned up the Upper Province River in the right. first phase, now we're mo- branching out to the urban rivers. And you mentioned those big wind turbines. Those actually are providing wind power to pump the material through the sewage treatment plant. Absolutely. We're using green energy to provide uh, a large portion of our power at the Fields Point facility. I think this is a uh, – I don't think people realize how large a project this was and how complicated the problem was you had to solve. And I think the Narragansett Bay Commission uh, deserves great credit for really looking at the big picture. There were some interim solutions we could have gone for. And it's interesting, I hadn't realized we were one of the first sewage treatment plants, but it would make sense because, once again, we're on this wonderful bay and we've been trying to turn the bay around and had great success. So. We have. I, I, I feel that we've got the best water quality that we've probably seen in Narragansett Bay in 100 years. Keep in mind, 100 years ago, we had the Industrial Revolution going on, raw sewage going into the bay, factories, metal finishing companies and manufacturers, all of that waste was being dumped into our rivers. Right. So at this point, uh, we've, we've seen a, a great turnaround, and uh, it's only going to get better. The, that's one of the points we want to talk about. This is a success story, and it's a story of a community engaging in their urban rivers, making them healthy both environmentally and ecologically, but also for human health. And we'll talk for a moment about some of the things that Alicia is doing, which are equally exciting. Uh, it's a great story, and but it's underground, and people don't quite see how it goes together. And we call it the biggest the, the biggest project you'll never see you'll never because see. it was done 300 feet below grade. Yeah. Now, phase two was done above grade and on the streets and digging up roads, and that was that did inconvenience some people. And uh, we recognize that phase three uh, looks like it's being reevaluated at this time, but it looks like it will be primarily an underground tunnel project in some fashion, some form. 
Well, and I also, you know, when I was on your website, I was looking um, at a lot of the other programs that you have. You really are out in the community. And again, I wasn't aware, but you've got this great shellfish transplant program, which is quite fascinating. Um, can you tell we've, us a little bit about We've that? worked with the DEM over the years. Uh, keep in mind the shell fishermen uh, are impacted by bay closures, so it really affects their livelihood. So uh, over the years, we've partnered with DEM, and uh, DEM would oversee the program, but we were a partner with them and helped them to transplant uh, millions of pounds of shellfish over the years to, from polluted waters to clean waters where they could harvest them at other, when the water is ready. And I'm sure those millions of pounds translate to millions of dollars for the Rhode Island economy as big, well. Big revenue, yeah. big revenue for the state of Rhode Island. And, you know, based upon the CSO Phase One project, the shell fishermen are realizing 65 extra days of shell fishing now due to cleaner waters. And DEM has relaxed their shell fishing regulations to accommodate this. The bay used to close after a half an inch of rain or an inch of rain, depending upon the areas. And now they've extended that. It now closes after a one and a half inches of rain or eight-tenths of an inch of rain. And, so this, and this isn't a change in the standard. This is a recognition of the improvement that these infrastructure investments have done. That's right. Because we're collecting that dirty water, less right. dirty water is getting into the bay, and it provides them additional days that they can fish the waters. And we've got an even cleaner, brighter future because the CSO is about... 30% capacity to the third, the phases line up about that way? The initial studies, uh, Bonnaby, indicated about 2.2 billion gallons a year of CSO discharges to the bay. The phase one CSO tunnel is capturing about 1.1 billion. Okay, okay, so we've already reduced uh, the bacterial load by about 50% in our calculations. So it's significant. And now, it, now we're going to, by capturing that first flush, as they say, of, of the sewage that would come out of those urban river that go sure. into those urban rivers, we're going to see a, a great, uh, a greater achievement. And you're doing many other things other than the CSO project. Uh, many, many point sources and distributed sources are being addressed. Water quality in general is a success story in the state. Yeah. The sewage plants in Rhode Island alone have already spent $275 million just recently to remove nitrogen from and nitrogen and phosphorus from the wastewater streams, and that causes al algal, algal growth. You remember the 2003 fish kill. Yep. Uh, Narragansett Bay Commission has reduced its nitrogen load by 78% since the year of the fish kill already. So we're at the lowest levels of nitrogen we've ever seen going into the upper bay, and that's going to result in cleaner water, better light penetration, growth of eel grass, sure. population of new species in the upper bay. Yeah, and, you know, I really want to congratulate you, too, again, on reaching out to the community because I know that you have involved the community with over 500 junior scientists um, that gathered uh, year-long, and they helped to clean the rivers. And We have a great, great educational program at the Narragansett Bay Commission where we educate school children, and we, have a, uh, we, we, we go into the classrooms and teach the kids about water quality, collecting samples and the importance of clean water. And, and uh, they collect samples, and they write reports on this, and they have a one-day, once-a-year big workshop, usually at Goddard Park, where they present all of their findings, and it's a very, very well-recognized uh, and award-winning program. We also have all of our information on our website, snapshotofthebay.com at narrabay.com. And all of our water quality data is there, and that's used by fishermen. They can see instantaneously water temperature and dissolved oxygen levels in the upper bay, so they'll know whether it's a good day to go fishing or not. And the other important thing about education is um, 
everyone, including students, but uh, adults as well, have to realize the impact of their behavior on the bay, that we don't pour waste oil down the drains, that we properly dispose of waste because it's everyone's responsibility to do this, and it, it moves to the entire community's benefit. Absolutely. And if the parents aren't getting it, the children certainly are, and they're teaching them those uh, good behaviors. <laughs> exactly. It goes back the other that's way. That's right. And I, and I think that's a wonderful segue to you know to bring in Alicia here talking about, I know that you are doing so much with the Manaskatucket uh, River Watershed Council. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you bring the community together and, um, well, one, give us a little background. Sure, Bronwyn. Well, originally we really started uh, our organization to try to bring back the community of Olneyville, which was really the most economically challenged neighborhood in Providence. And we thought, well, let's do it by trying to restore the natural resource there, and that is the Winosquatucket River. And we restored 52 acres of parkland and built a bike path and started doing fish restoration projects in the river. And here we are 12 years later, and we've had some fantastic successes. We now have seven miles of bike path that people can use. Uh, last year, we just opened up another one and a half miles. And we've been monitoring what kind of fish and how many are living in the Winosquatucket. I saw in your account, it's, it's growing, so... It's, it's, it's good true. It, yeah, particularly we've been trying to bring back the native alewife. Uh, those are herring hmm. that always lived in the river. They spend their whole lives out in the ocean, but they need the river to spawn to create new fish. And we've had a lot of problems with that on the Winasquatucket, mostly because we have so many dams. It's such an industrialized river. So we've been able to bypass a few dams with fish ladders and take down a couple of dams, and then every year we count how many herring return. And just to give you some ideas, in 2011, we counted 7,200 fish, 2012, 9,300, 2013, 12,300. But this year was a huge breakthrough. 2014, we counted 39,500 fish on the river. And our goal for the lower river is 40,000. We're still trying to get through another dam, but we are so encouraged that yeah. this ha- this project has really been working. Now, you must work with a large core of volunteers, almost like we do at Waterfire, because I know you're a nonprofit as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the size of your volunteer core and where they come from? Oh, absolutely. We have so many projects that involve volunteers. Fish counting is just one of them, and that's about 40 volunteers a year. But in all, we have about a 1,000 volunteers we work with every year. And those volunteers help us clean up the river, clean up the bike path, count fish, monitor the water quality in the river, teach programs to young people. That's right, you do. You, you don't have you have camps that you... Yep. Um, a ranger program, all sorts of things. It's true. So Barnaby is referring to our River Rangers program, which is a fantastic program where we hire local youth that live around the river, age 16 to 24. We hired 10 of them this year, and we teach them to be stewards of the river, and they learn great skills like landscaping, um, maintenance, cleanup. They learn how to use heavy equipment like weed whackers and mowers. They take care of the bike path, and they patrol it, and they make people feel really safe on it. And they um, also explain the importance of environmental engagement and the same message we were talking about with Tom about the larger message that NBC is working to get out. Exactly. They they are our ambassadors. 
the you know one of the other things that's wonderful about the Winnascatucket River is it's so firmly integrated into the history, the landscape, the mills that were all built there that brought the immigrant community to Rhode Island were there for water power. So it all knits together into a larger historical story, which is compelling. And I know that you have um, some events coming up, uh, actually rather soon, right? And I'd love to hear about them. We've only got a few minutes left, so I want to make sure that we get those in. Oh, thanks, Bronwyn. Yes, we have our big fundraiser, which is the Woonie River Ride. It's a fantastic bike ride or walk. It's good for the whole family. You can choose from 5, 10, 30, 50, or a 62-mile ride. 62 miles is a metric century, so if you feel like you really want to do a century, here's your easy way out. And this year, we're going to incorporate the Winasquatucket River and the Blackstone River. Those are both of our Rhode Island American Heritage Rivers. There's only 14 in the country, and we really wanted to show people what wonderful water resources and land resources we have. So this is a great chance to do that. And if somebody wants to participate, um, how, how can they get more information? Really easy. Just go to wooneyride.org, W-O-O-N-Y-R-I-D-E.org. All right. And, you know, Tom, anything else coming up with NBC that's uh, big and exciting? I know you just won an award, right? We did. We won, we won a national award from the Water Environment Federation for the water, best water quality improvement in the nation for up in Narragansett Bay. So we're very pleased about that award, and we'll be accepting it in August at a Water Environment Federation conference. Well, I want to thank both of you um, and your groups and, and all of the good work that you're doing because, as you know, water is very important to us at Waterfire, and that's why we'll have those fish out there on the river. Um, We have to take a quick break right now, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the Wooly Ride, and I hope we see you on Saturday. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. And thanks for all your work. It's really great to see you. Thank you, Bonnie. You too. Welcome back, and you're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelter, and I'm here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire. And we're here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And that beautiful voice that you're hearing in the background right now, you're probably familiar with the song and Michael Bublé, but this is one of the most incredible artists that I've known recently uh, who comes out of Rhode Island, and his name is Tony Serbo, and he is joining us uh, in the station uh, room today along with, uh, well, one, he'll be playing on the stage uh, this weekend on Steeple Street, and he's joining us along with Sal Buscemi from Fat Bellies. And, Sal, you know, first I want to say thank you because without Fat Bellies and your sponsorship, um, we wouldn't be able to have that stage at Waterfire. So it's been a really wonderful partnership, and not only are you a partner for the music stage, uh, you're also a, a, a restaurant partner of ours, so thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having us here, and we love being part of uh, Waterfire and, you know, <clears throat> these events and kind of bringing it to the Providence nightlife. Yeah, and I, and I think it's been pretty successful. We've had some quite talented people on the stage. Oh, huh? absolutely. When that stage is activated and uh, Waterfire's in uh, full effect, it's, it's great to be down there. It's awesome to be part of it. 
It's been great music. It looks great. It's just it's, it's such a great feeling. I'm, yeah. Tony, yeah. I'm looking forward to your performance this Saturday. Well, I don't know if anybody caught uh, Tony at the last fire, which was huge, but Tony was singing um, in the ballroom area in celebration of the 150th anniversary of the Providence Police, and I could hear you across the river where I was in the VIP tent, and you sounded phenomenal. Oh, uh, thank you. It was an honor to be there. I was looking for you, actually, but there were so many people there, I, there was no chance of me finding you. You didn't see me jumping as up tall and down. as you are. I could not see you now. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that we're excited because the Steeple Street stage is a little bit different than the ballroom area. Right. It's a much more intimate right outside of Fat Bellies. I know that Fat Bellies always has great refreshments outside, so people walking by can grab a refreshment and then stop and hear you sing. Um, Sal, can you just give me a little bit of a background on Fat Bellies and when you started? And uh, yeah, we opened up the first one in 2006, and that was over at uh, Goddard park <clears throat> and basically fast forward to now we have seven locations our newest one being at the north kingstown golf course mm-hmm. um and you know so we're spread out throughout the state and we um you know it's been a nice success story for us but it, a lot of it has come from partnering up and doing a lot of different things um with the communities and and like uh providence with Waterfire. you know we've been there for uh going on five years now and just the excitement of water fire and all the people that come down, um, you know, we love being a part of that. And, you know, that also helps us out be successful in our own way. And you've got great Irish food. I mean, great Irish food. And, and if anybody knows me. Robert, would you know anything about Irish food? I know a little bit about Irish food. I have long red curly hair and a name Bronwyn. So <laughs> I'm glad you're not asking it. me because I'm Italian and I have no idea. <laughs> Bubble and squeak. Do they have eggplant there? <laughs> Actually, I'm an Italian running an Irish yeah. pub, so we do have we do have some uh, eggplant there as well. But. Oh, that's funny. And Tony, um, you know, I it was such I was so excited to meet you a few uh, was it a few months back at our friend Jack Ryan's home, and we were celebrating our friend Donnie Palumbo's birthday. But when I heard you, um, I immediately fell in love with your style of music. And Thank you. There's not a lot of people who can pull off the phrasing. Um, right. Of Frank Sinatra or Michael. Buble very well. It's a very difficult thing to yeah. do because it's it's a uh, it's this wonderful combination of intimacy and power delivered with great elegance. It's right. just it's just right. it's, and you get it just right. And that's what's important, you know. When I sometimes I judge contests and stuff like that for for singers, and it's not always about the voice; it's about the presentation uh, of the performance. And you have to feel comfortable up there, or they're going to eat you up alive. Right. You know, if I sit up on that huge stage. At Westminster Street in the ballroom stage, and I was just stood there and I stood still. They would have all walked away, but I made sure that I, I commanded that stage, and that's important. It's an important thing to do, you know, in my business. So, and I appreciate being there, and now, I'm excited to be there on this Saturday. And have you always loved? So, did you grow up listening to? Did your parents listen to Frank Sinatra oh, all the time? Oh my God, and my father! It was a combination of Frank Sinatra and Billy Joel, actually. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, yes. So I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I just can't play the piano, so I never even attempted to try to go in the Billy Joel realm. <laughs> you know, but Frank Sinatra and Michael Bublé were more, more easy to do, so I stuck, I stuck with them. And, and when did you break out, essentially? About six years ago. Mm-hmm. I started doing I left corporate America six years ago. I, was, I worked for um, Come On Farms, and I worked for CVS. And uh, I, I really, corporate America just wasn't for me. So I went into doing this, um, and I got a lucky break at the Capitol Grill. The manager there, Christopher Phillips, uh, 
took me on, and I've been there for five years now, every Friday night. Has it been that long? It's been that long. I've been there five years, but and it's great. Didn't you travel to Las Vegas? Weren't you performing I there? I performed Las Vegas a total, I, on the top of my head, I'm going to say ten times. Uh, I got flown out twice in 2012 to do the huge San Gennaro Feast out there. And when I say huge, it's huge. It, you know, go to a feast around here, and there's nothing compared. These things go on for miles. And there's this huge stage, and there's thousands of people watching. And that was the first time I got in front of an audience of like a thousand people or more. So my knees were shaking the first couple of times, but then I went. Up, I got called back a few times. Um, I made a lot of friends out there. So when I am out there, I played the Golden Nugget. I played at uh, oh god, the Rio Hotel and Casino. So it, it's it's a definitely amazing, different feel out there. But I love coming home to New England, especially playing downtown Providence. Yeah, because I caught you at the Capitol Grill a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you did. And it's just, it's, it's such a, uh, that's a great environment. But again, I think when you're sitting across from Fat Bellies and you're at Water Fire Absolutely. and you've got these, this great feeling and this audience going by, I think that you're, uh, yeah, you're in a, I think that's going to be even just a little bit better. A little bit better, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sal, as when we're talking about the restaurant and uh, things that you're doing, do you have any specials or special things that you do throughout the year or? Oh, yeah, throughout the year, um, you know, being that we do have seven locations and we try to keep everything consistent, we also kind of give free reign to our chefs and have a little bit more creativity. So um, on the weekends, we have our weekend specials, which will vary from you know different types of genres of food. So it's not your typical Irish uh, cuisine. But, um, you know, like we've done things where we've kind of worked on some different types of chicken tacos or like we've gone out and even done some ahi tuna with a seaweed salad. Like, you know, so we have a lot of range, um, you know, being in Rhode Island and having ties to Johnson & Wells. I'm um, right. a graduate of there and, you know, the owner is a former uh, instructor there as well. You know, you get a lot of hungry um, young uh, chefs that want to come out and, you know, and so we, we're lucky to have that in our um you know, in our kitchens, so we're able to put out a lot of different specials. So the specials are constantly changing, and, um, you know, on a water fire night, we have, we do a limited menu to try to, you know, um, get people in and get people out because there are so many people that come out for these things, and uh, we have the outside tent as well where we'll do some hamburgers, hot dogs, and dough boys as well as, you know, our beers and sangrias and white wine and red wine and stuff. And, and you got a great singer sitting oh, absolutely. right next to And I heard there's an express line to the stage, too, so I have a designated waiter or waitress <laughs> yeah. that's going to come right just throw Tony's name out. You'll be good. <laughs> so, Tony, can you uh, give us some examples of some of the songs that people are going to be hearing? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing um, some. I have a long set uh, Saturday, so I'll be, I'll be playing for about three and a half hours for the whole night. Wow. Wow. So I'll be doing some Michael Bublé. I'll be doing some Frank Sinatra, most definitely. I'll be doing some Billy Joel, a little doo-wop, maybe a little uh, Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, if I can. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting night. All right. Favorite three songs? My favorite three songs? Yep. Frank Sinatra, Fly Me to the Moon. Oh, yeah. Michael Bublé, Home. Billy Joel, Vienna. Really? Look okay. up Vienna. It's a beautiful right. song. All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll hear it. Maybe we'll hear maybe. it. We'll hear it in verse. So I know okay. starting We'll hear the better version. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So starting at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. That's excellent. And... Uh, Tell us, you know, something else about yourself or about Water Fire. And well, uh, what I gotta say is, is, is finally, when the the ballroom stage first came out, I don't know, ten years ago. About that, I, yeah. I remember being down there, and as a, not even in a singing business yet, but I knew I wanted to be a performer, and I seen that stage, and I said to my friends over there, I said, I want to play in that stage one day, 
And I got to tell you, the thrill and honor of being on that stage, the ballroom stage, two weeks ago was just amazing. And it's such an honor to work with all the staff at Waterfire. I could not believe, you know, it's for a performance, hurry up and wait. Get there at 4, do your rehearsal, and you're waiting around for a few hours. While you're sitting around waiting around those few hours, you're watching your staff work so hard. And I was talking to them, and they're like, we've been here since 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're not be leaving until 5 o'clock in the morning. And it just it was such an honor to be working with them guys, and they work so hard. And it's yeah. really an honor to be a part of this franchise, and I hope uh, after Saturday night so that we can work together some more because I'm really yeah. honored to be here. Well, I'm sure it will be a great success, and, uh, and thank you for that. I, people realize that... Producing any show is a lot of work, but we actually have to build the theater first, and then we got to dismantle it. So yeah, it's, right. it's a right. complicated thing. It's amazing and to watch. I watch it every every water fire. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's the same as being in the restaurant business. There's that similarity where there's, you're creating something. Where our whole goal is to make people happy and oh, you know, and to to bring some enjoyment to people's lives. So we all have something very similar here. And yeah, it's like. Same amount of work, don't you think, Barnaby? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's really a gift to have everyone come together in the community and, and realize that, you know, that sense of awe you had when you sort of first saw the, yeah. the ballroom. We was just wanted to talk about how beautiful the city is and figure out how to celebrate that and keep music at the heart of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure you guys do an amazing job. Steeple Street is going to be full of people. You're going to be... Uh, I hope so. Oh, we'll be busy. You should put some extra staff on, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll have the extra staff. <laughs> and I always say this, too. There might not be a dance floor at Steeple Street, but I always tell people at venues when I play at smaller venues, if you want to dance, just get up at your seats and dance. Absolutely. I always Absolutely. tell people that all the time. So don't be afraid that there's no stages you can't dance. Dance. Because we had a lot of dancers two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, you sure did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people came up from New York. They came up from Connecticut, and they were very pleased. We, You know, we'd, we'd miss the ballroom. We'd love to be doing it... Uh, you know, six, seven times a year. So we're always looking for sponsors for that. But you saw that whole, I mean, the, the right down to building the floor. It's yeah. A, it's a big project. Yeah, and, so, and you know, again, I want to just once again circle back and thank Fat Bellies. Um, one of the challenges that sometimes we face at Waterfire is um, really getting all the community involved. Um, well, first of all, we do the event for free. Yeah. But there are many expenses, and as you saw, a lot of work. And so the sponsors and donors who make it all possible allow us to do that, and we'd love to have the stage going every night. So, Sel, thank yeah, you so no, much. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, I could say as uh you know, I'm not a, a native Rhode Islander. I'm a kind of a transplant Rhode Islander now. It's you know, don't take this uh, water fire for granted. You know, you got to come down and check it out, if, even though it's in your own backyard. You know, you should really come out and see it. Well, and we appreciate you giving back um, because I know that the restaurants are packed on water fire nights, and especially sometimes during the summer mm-hmm. when there's not a lot going yeah. on. So when groups like Fat Bellies or Hemingways or some of our other restaurant partners actually contribute back and, and help us get through a season, it really means the world to us. So. Again, uh, I, I don't think you can ever say thank you yeah. enough to anybody. Um, and, Tony, I can't wait to see you on the stage on Saturday. And I know you also do private performances for Absolutely. people. Absolutely. So, dot com. All right. People can reach out to Tony, and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
And hello, 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 and welcome back. And you're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And we were just talking to Tony Serbo, uh, who's going to be performing on the Steeple Street stage on Saturday. Um, and our friends from Fat Belly, Sal, uh, who was talking a little bit, one, they've sponsored the stage along with Geico and have made that possible. So again, we have to thank our community partners um, for helping us bring Waterfire uh to the public. And now we also have somebody else who's going to be performing on the Steeple Street stage on Saturday. And his name is Ricardo Pitzwiley, and he's from the Mixed Magic Theater, which is an incredible theater group um, out of Pawtucket. And the Mixed Magic Theater's Exult Choir will be singing as well uh, intermittently on the Steeple Street stage. And so, Ricardo, are you there? Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to hear the gospel choir um, on Saturday. I know you've performed with us before. We have, absolutely. Ricardo, greetings. How are you? You know, you have done such a great job. I think it's it's 20 years, hasn't it been, that you've been working with Mixed Magic? I think longer. Uh, well, it's, I've, been in, I've been doing theater in, in Rhode Island for about 40 years. Okay. But Mixed Magic, really, for the last 20 years. And uh, and uh, we're we're very proud of our choir uh, we we started the choir with a mission uh, to preserve traditional gospel music and and uh, and we have expanded that a bit to include more world gospel music, which is which is uh, which is a, you know just an incredible um, kind of uh, uh, thing that we do that we enjoy very much. Well, gospel has informed so much music of every style for. You know, a century, and it's uh, it's got African roots. It's got roots going back to the black spirituals, and it's such a great form. And the reason why we were so pleased to have you join us on the Steeple Street stage is, I just want to get this out: is on August 29th, you've got the Greatness of Gospel, Our Roots Run Deep program, which is at 7:30. That's correct. We're at 560 Mineral Spring Avenue. Um, we open uh, with vendors and some. Selected food items at five o'clock, so we encourage people to get there early and get comfortable. And, and I want to give the website; it's a uh, uh, mmtri dot com. That's correct. Um, because mmtri dot com. Two, uh, two M's, right? Mm. Mm. MagicTheaterRI.com. Yeah. Exactly. This is a great show. Um, what, before we go into what you're doing for the greatness of gospel and that event on August 29th, l- let's hear a little bit about what you'll be able to be doing with us for free at Waterfire on the 23rd, which will be at the Steeple Street stage. Well, we're going to do a preview of what will be seen on the 29th. Uh, we've selected a couple of um, uh, three or four songs that we think uh, express the talents of the choir. And also, um, you know, uh, we believe if people see what we do, they'll be encouraged to come out on the 29th. And also, um, the Waterfire Stage is such a, just such an incredible venue to perform at. And we've been there before, and we have a sense of of, of, of what to do and how to do it. And um, and I think Barnaby has, has just done an incredible job with Waterfire, and we're just happy to be a part of it. And and it's something special, and we think we bring something special to the event also. Well, you absolutely do. Ricardo, when is your show starting, just so people can plan to come hear that? Uh, we we start at 8.30 at the Steeple Street stage, and we'll do one one set, um, uh, and about 35 or 40 minutes. Uh, and, um, 
and then uh, of course we'll have information about the show on the 29th. But uh, but we'll we'll we we start at 8:30, and uh, we hope we have a big crowd there to come out and uh, and and clap their hands and pat their feet and uh, and sing along with us and uh, and celebrate with us. It's, you know, one of the great things about gospel music also is it's participatory music, and and uh, so we encourage people to come with a great spirit and great energy and come with their families and. And, um, and and enjoy the greatness of gospel. Ricardo, can I ask, um, how large is the choir? Uh, this year's uh, uh, group is about 20. Wow. Uh, we won't have 20 on the uh, 23rd, uh, but uh, we'll have about 12 of the 20. And, uh, but uh, when we perform on the 29th, we'll have all 20. And, and this is a performance that people should absolutely come see. It's a, uh, it's just full of joy, full of energy. It just grabs everyone right into it and mixes it up into a huge celebration. It is. And on the 29th, we also have a couple of special guest singers. Uh, uh, my mother-in-law, Ann Pitts, who is one of the legendary gospel singers in, the, in, the, in this community, and another legend, Miss Barbara Bryant. Uh, and together they have been the foundation, so much of a part of the foundation of gospel music in the Providence and the area for a long time. And part of the reason we started the choir was so that we could make sure that that their spirit and energy could be maintained into the future. So uh, um, we we encourage people to avail, avail themselves of seeing these two legendary singers and then then we um, then we perform after them, and we think we've got some some things that people are going to enjoy. We we do some contemporary gospel a little bit. We do some new things. We do a song from the Soweto Gospel Choir, uh, which whose work we admire a lot. And then we do a lot of just that good music that is is the foundation, as you said before, of practically every music form in America. Every original music form in America. It is the basis of the blues. It is the basis of rock and roll. There's, it has, roots has its jazz and has it, uh, jazz has its roots in gospel. Um, the, the spiritual, the hymn, um, the, and also gospel music is a part of American history. Absolutely. Part of the culture. Absolutely. And, and we can no longer dis, separate ourselves from gospel music as we can from apple pie. I just yeah. want to say praise the Lord. You know, you get me all excited. I'm looking forward to the choir. <laughs> well, and we and we do praise. And, you know, we call the Exalt Choir because not only do we sing, sing music of the Spirit, but we sing music that is meant to, to lift people up, their whole spirit. You know, you don't even have to be a person of faith to appreciate this music. It just makes you feel Good and 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 exaltation is 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 our goal. We want you to to leave feeling better than you came. And I guarantee you will. This this is. Uh, I mean, you've got Tony singing. You're going to hear Ricardo's choir, the Exult Choir. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the magic of the human voice and its capacity to touch us in a deep way and really transform the whole city and, and move us forward. And with the river on fire, it makes it even a more special event. I, I, Ricardo, I think you were at the last water fire, weren't you? I, think I was it, at the last water fire. I just 
thought it was just amazing. It was just, I mean, not only were the crowds terrific, uh, um, and, and the whole downtown Providence was just buzzing and booming that night. And, uh, you know, um, um, Rhode Island should be very grateful for what happens on during the water fire event uh, because it is something very, very special, something unique. And every city needs something unique, something that says, when I go to this city, I'm going to go and see this. It's like going to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower. And um, so uh, when you come to Providence, come to Water Fire and also come to Mixed Magic Theater because we think we're pretty special, too. You are very special, and that's what I was going to say. I think people should go to your website because you do wonderful productions, um, Ricardo, and so it's so much more. The the choir is only a very small part of this incredible um, body of work that you are producing at the Mixed Magic Theater. So I, uh, And I'm going to repeat that website. It's mmtri.com. That's correct. And uh, it's uh, 401-305-7333. And also, if people go to the website, if they buy their tickets in advance, they save $5 per ticket. That's so that awesome. Good. So, Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us. We, uh, we're going to be kind of closing out here, but um, it's been such a joy to speak to you, and I'm, we are so looking forward to hearing you on Saturday. We're looking forward to it, too. Thank you very much. Thank you, Barnaby. Thank you, Ricardo. So the other thing we have is just to remind, we've got the uh, Capoeira from 6 to 8 on yeah. August 23rd as well. And Tony, the big, yeah. Tony Serbo, the uh, Sal's help and Fat Belly's help, we've got the uh, Steeple Street stage. And clear currents. And you know what? Let's remember that none of this would be possible without Amica Insurance and Cox Business, who have been such incredible long-time supporters, and they're the ones who are actually funding this fire. And, so, the entire fire. That yeah. makes it all possible. So, we so really a big thank you to them as well, as well as all our great performers. Yeah, and I think it's going to be it's going to be a rocking night, isn't it, gentlemen? Absolutely. All right. So um, we hope everyone will come down. Again, remember the Artist Village opens at 6 o'clock. Music starts at 7 o'clock. Come down early before the fires are lit. Grab a bite to eat and enjoy the city and your community. So you're listening to AM790. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you down by the river. Absolutely. <laughs>